Wind the day of the fire was a huge factor. It all happened so quick. I mean, the whole fire took place. Uh, it was probably burned through town. Um, within 20 minutes, it surrounded all of town. And uh, within another probably couple hours, the whole town was just completely done. It was that rapid. So you had houses that were torching um, neighbors' houses and stuff like that. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't anything that you could safely get in there and control. And it was, you know, it was bewildering even for the fire departments that immediately responded to this was how do, how do you even go about um, tackling it when it's attacking the entire town all at once. A lot of community members, I feel like, haven't been able to even finish kind of grieving over their loss um, or looking kind of through the things that they lost. And, you know, you're talking about people that lost everything, right down to maybe a vehicle, a pet. Um, it's, it's things that really, you know, hit people hard. When you're in the middle of it, it's really hard to wrap your mind around how total the devastation is. Welcome to this special episode of the ADRA Insider Podcast, where we will be talking about ADRA's disaster response work right here in Canada. Today, I have three guests joining me, one right here in the studio, Peggy Caesar is the Senior Advocacy Specialist at ADRA Canada. Joining us online is Daniel Saw, who is the National Programs Manager, as well as Alain Normand, who is the Consulting Associate for our Emergency Management Department. Daniel, thank you so much for joining our podcast today. We really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. So I'm going to go ahead and start with you. How soon after you heard about the fires in BC did ADRA decide to launch a response? Well, that's a great question. ADRA is, shall we say, always looking to be present and to be helpful. And so when we heard the news and the call that came from the NGO network and, of course, the general news of what was happening, uh, we had meetings with the British Columbia Conference. We had meetings with the uh, NGO Council of BC called IDCBC, and they identified the major needs because of the crisis. And so we were willing to uh, participate and offered our services in certain areas that we specialize in, so disaster response, um, in-kind uh, donation management, etc. So we were in the conversation um, and we were there from the very beginning, from the onset, to uh, bring and share any resources or capacities that we, can, uh, we could assist in. So how long was it from when the, the fires began and when ADRA began responding if through the in-kind donations, I know there are other things happening, but for that piece of it, how about how much time passed? Yes, with respect to the in-kind donations, by beginning of July, we were able to secure a warehouse that was large enough to uh, house the donated items that was coming to us all across the province. So our response time was, I would say, uh, within the month. Adra's response to the Lytton wildfire was rather immediate. We have a small uh, church group there, a company um, in the Lillooet area, and so we mm -hmm. found out that they had been devastated by the wildfires and there was forced evacuation. So many of the residents there, there are First Nation members or Indigenous peoples of Canada, 
And um, the little company reached out to the BC Conference. And as we were talking with the BC Conference, we were trying to identify what could be our best response uh, there. So the first thing was basic needs. So the shelter and food security, food items. So we were able to partner with the BC Conference and particularly the Lillooet Company, mm. be able to provide some seed funding that they participated in the something called the Friendship Center, where they're able to provide emergency care kit items and hot meals and food bags or boxes. So address seed funding assisted uh, in that immediate response. And number two, secondly, we were able to partner with uh, Camp Hope, which is part of the British Columbia Conference, to give some funding that will assist in accommodating evacuees. So they were housed, over 200 were housed at Camp Hope. So they had shelter mm-hmm. because they had nowhere to go. So it was a wonderful opportunity to partner with the BC Conference and be able to also help the residents and the members of the Lytton community in British Columbia. This was kind of a sudden project in, all, in an already very busy schedule, but um, one that we were definitely willing to um, put aside time for because so many people have been affected uh, with this fire. I live in the Lillooet area and that's where part of the people evacuated too. So on the morning after the fire, um, I called up the executive director, Carol, and asked her what we could do to assist, if we could do any cooking or helping, because we already cook out of the Friendship Center every Tuesday anyways. She said, sure, Elaine, if you guys can cook for lunch, we'll cook for supper. We ended up serving out of the rec center, and we served just under 200 people. People were very grateful. People were coming by. Some even asked for seconds. They were just happy to to get a meal. The First Nations, A couple of ladies got up, they had their drums with them, hand drums, and they were singing a thank you song for the community of Lillooet, which was really beautiful. Later on that afternoon, they had a a meeting there and they brought everybody back again and decided to move uh, people to Merritt. And um, so people left, you know, immediately. So that was really the extent of what we were able to do when it came to um, connecting with the actual evacuees was to supply lunch. We're really excited because we're actually able to assist in this situation uh, where people maybe wouldn't be able to access uh, funds right away to replace things that they currently need, right? So that's what we're working on right now. I'm glad that we have uh, people that we can uh, connect with like on the ground right now, like you guys just being here and being able to go through and to see all of this. This is amazing. You know, it shows that you care that people care, that people will give money to help because this has devastated so many people. So many people don't even have insurance. It's not going to end for a while and and being able to have that kind of support um, would be would be huge for them to know that they can get little things done that maybe they couldn't have get done before. So your money counts and we have to remember it's not our money, it's God's money. Talk to God, man. He'll tell you where to put it, and he'll tell you to send it to Adra so it can come here to Lytton. <laughs> Alain, you were called in to help with the emergency response to the BC fires. When the, the fires started, we were st- seeing what was going on, and we said we have to be there to support, coach, help uh, our volunteers uh, because we hadn't had a chance to really finish the training uh, give them opportunities to, to try it out, to test it. 
So we said we have to be there. And that's why we, we didn't hesitate. Uh, Nicole, my wife and I, we both, we worked together on this and we just jumped uh, on the plane as soon as we could. So Alain, when there's an emergency in Canada, ADRA is known for its expertise in a certain niche. I know that all organizations who respond to emergencies in Canada all have their, their specialty, but what is ADRA Canada's niche and its specialty, its expertise right. in disaster response in Canada? Absolutely. So uh, although we, we can play different roles and we have played different roles uh, in, mm -hmm. in various emergencies, we've done all sorts of things from sandbagging, uh, you know, to, to uh, crisis care, trauma, trauma counseling, and things. but the main thing that we are recognized for is uh, the donation management and the in-kind mm -hmm. donation that's where we have the specialty and and the warehousing aspect is important because when people lost their home like in Lytton people had no homes to go to and we were mm -hmm. receiving furniture but where are these people going to put the furniture if they don't have a home uh, so right. somebody has to hold on to this these goods until the homes are rebuilt and people are, are ready to take it. So that's where the warehouse comes in. And mm -hmm. we were initially offered to use uh, church the halls and the uh, basements here and there. And uh, but the side, the, we we need something of a very significant size. You know, we're talking, mm -hmm. you know, a hundred thousand square feet minimum. Uh, we were fortunate to get about one hundred fifty thousand eventually. Uh, which was, oh, wow. was uh, what, we, what we needed. And we used up uh, at least three quarters of that uh, space uh, during the operation. Mm -hmm. So we found this warehouse, this huge warehouse uh, in Coldstream, right at the doorstep of the areas being affected by the fire. And so, you know, we were blessed and we we're really thankful. We thank mm -hmm. God for, for having found this place. So the warehouse was secured, and this is where you come into the story, Peggy. You were asked to go to the region to help with communications and story gathering. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that was like? Absolutely, Heather. Developing and gathering stories is part of what I do for ADRA. Mm -hmm. And so we had the opportunity to go out to BC and to really see what was going on mm -hmm. around that warehouse and to talk with uh, many of the volunteers uh, that are giving up their time uh, to help out. Uh, we do in-kind donation management. Um, it's uh, hard work mm -hmm. uh, in, of course, a warehouse setting, so it's uh, often very warm, particularly in July and mm -hmm. August of mm -hmm. last year. Temperatures were soaring in the they 90s. They were reaching the 40s, were they not? If absolutely, I absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they were breaking records, in right. other words, right? So um, to go out and to um, meet and, and talk with our volunteers uh, was really a blessing. Uh, we, we like to go out there, even, you know, in the midst of crisis. Mm -hmm. um, it is uh, a sensitive matter, mm -hmm. um, but it's important for our members, our supporters, our uh, partner NGOs, as well as the government of Canada to know what ADRA is doing mm -hmm. um, for Canadians uh, mm -hmm. here at home and, and around the world. And for the sake of transparency, right? Absolutely, uh, yeah. absolutely. So I understand that you got to go into Lytton after the fire had mm -hmm. burnt through it and that you had a particularly interesting day yes. and you met some people there who are willing to share their stories with you. Can you open up to us a little bit about that? Absolutely. So, you know, once again, um, we were traveling uh, around the area, mm -hmm. soaring temperatures. Uh, we were seeing fires uh, from the highway. Mm -hmm. um, they were just being like sparking off uh, left and right. And so as we even journeyed towards um, 
Linton. Uh, it was uh, a bit dangerous, in fact. Uh, there mm -hmm. were times when we had to detour because it was really an active scene. Mm -hmm. But uh, we're so grateful for our volunteers on the ground, and particularly uh, our ADRA ambassadors. Uh, Elaine in uh, Lillooet did a tremendous job, um, as we consider like all uh, emergencies are local. Mm -hmm. They depend on uh, local communities and local capacities to mm -hmm. respond at first. And she did a tremendous job, um, supported by the pastor, supported by the church uh, community. And uh, she um, uh, reached out to us about this uh, particular family, uh, Don and uh, Trisha mm -hmm. Lasgo, who um, had been affected by the fire. And I believe we have a, a video of their interview. And for our listeners who aren't actually watching this podcast, um, you'll be able to listen in and hear them tell their own story of, of what happened to them during the Lillooet fire. Uh, Don Glasgow, and uh, we're just here reviewing the remains of our home. I'm Trisha Thorpe, his wife. And this is your home? This is our home. <laughs> yeah. Tell, tell us what happened. We um, were trying to help evacuate part of Lytton. It was an, un, an unsuccessful attempt, and we weren't home um, when the fire raced through. Um, and we were trapped outside of the Batani Valley where we live. We couldn't get back in through the main road. Um, we tried to come back through a back way because we had a lot of animals, and we wanted to make sure that they were safe or get them out, and the fire had already jumped the river and was on the ridge and we were unable to get home and get our animals to safety. Well I've lived here uh, um, basically all my life. My mom was born up in the valley, her dad was born up in the valley, Patani Valley. I've been fourth generation uh, to live here. And, uh, How long have you been living in this home? I built it in 1980, started in 1980, so 41 years. Yeah. You built this home yourself? Mm -hmm. Tell us about the home what it was like well that <laughs> was uh just no basement it was a 28 by 48 and then four years later i put an addition on with a full basement and a 28 by 38 foot addition with a full basement and that and it was a good size house and uh everything was the cupboards were built might be by me and uh, everything was built i built everything basically and uh, we're like 60 and 67 this was our retirement dream it, it was it was idyllic. We had um, sheep and alpaca that we used for fiber because I'm a spinner. Uh, my husband had just finished his shop that he started, I think, about 1980, 81. And it took him until now to get it done. Um, we had goats, so we did, uh, we'd made different types of cheeses and things. Um, we had a huge kitchen and a dining room that actually had two dining room tables. So twice a year we'd hold potlucks, usually Thanksgiving and Easter, and we'd invite the entire valley or whoever wanted to come. It, it, the place was alive, and I mean, now look at it. We'd have uh, sometimes 40 people over, and on my birthday one time we had 75 people outside in the, on the lawn here on June 29th, and we had a big birthday party. And we have lots of people here, it was pretty nice but uh, somewhat changed, you know. After several days of going nowhere on the Monday morning with the help of BC Livestock um, res Evacuation Rescue, uh, we came into Lytton and I got as far as the roadblock and we told them that I was not leaving until I got my animals out. And um, 
We, basically, we appealed to the heartstrings, and they they got us in. Um, the RCMP there went above and beyond, and they escorted us in. And we got five of my eight sheep out. We got four alpaca. All, all six goats were gone. Um, all the poultry, which is my chickens, my guinea fowl, peacocks. my peacocks. Peacocks were sitting on eggs. None of them made it. Um, three of my adult dogs were here and all nine puppies. So all of them were here and that was amazing. And, and my 13-year-old cat. Finding that the cat was alive and that all nine puppies were alive, that was my focus, not this. This is just things, Can you know. Replaced. And those animals, they're, they're our babies. So are you going to rebuild? Yes, we are going to rebuild. Um, this is our home. And it will never be quite like it was, but we've got the animals and the community here has been amazing. And honestly, I think it's kind of restored my faith in most human beings. Just their kindness has been overwhelming. I, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> They've been amazing. So that video is very moving for mm -hmm. sure to hear them share about what all they had Yes. And the magnitude of their loss and at their time in life, right? Like mm -hmm. she said, this was their retirement dream. And my heart just broke for them. Yes. That is not the time of life to have to start over from scratch. But what also stood out to me was was their resilience. Yes. She, she's just like, yep, we're going to rebuild. Yes, their determination yes, to yeah. rebuild. Yeah. Absolutely. That's amazing. And, and I'm just wondering, um, they have that determination. Mm -hmm. Um, have they had any assistance and capacity in being able mm -hmm. to rebuild? Have mm -hmm. you heard anything more about their story? You know, the Word of God says in the book of Proverbs that, that a friend loveth at all times, mm -hmm. and a brother is born in, for adversity. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's such a wonderful opportunity to help um, Don and Trish and many other mm -hmm. um, families like them who were affected by these fires. Mm -hmm. um, it's very clear from the video that we just watched that the animals were very important mm -hmm. uh, to them. And so uh, Adra helped uh, with uh, rebuilding of their barns mm -hmm. um, so that they can uh, bring the animals back in and life can begin to take on a semblance of normalcy mm -hmm. again. And judging by how they seem in the interview, I have no doubt that they will once again start mm -hmm. inviting the community to come back in. Absolutely. And, you know, it would be interesting, right, through our ambassador who is right there on the ground to continue to track this family and mm -hmm. families like like them and, and uh, track uh, Dawn and uh, Trisha and see how they continue to progress going mm -hmm. forward. Yes, that we, would be wonderful. We do realize that uh, recovery um, is slow. Mm -hmm. uh, it's painful, takes time. Mm -hmm. But as we continue to walk with um, those who are affected by disaster, mm -hmm. we can see positive um, improvements in mm -hmm. their lives. Mm -hmm. So just before leaving town, we had the opportunity to meet Pastor Charles Lomadak. Mm -hmm. Now, I had read about him in the February 21 issue of The Messenger. Mm -hmm. It was a, an amazing article entitled Meeting God Under a Mango Tree. That sounds like a good story right? to read. It is a very interesting story that tells the, the tale of Pastor Charles as a child in South Sudan, mm -hmm. having to flee his village and then... Um, going into uh, Ethiopia as a refugee, mm. uh, enrolling in uh, an Adventist seminary, hmm. becoming a pastor, and now was stationed in uh, BC at the time of the fires. Well, let's watch his interview right now. The night of the fire, I was heading, coming back from Shilohak, coming into back home. And as I was approaching Lytton, here I see a huge smoke just in front of me. 
And I see the smoke, I thought, where this smoke is? And I keep driving and people are just pulling off the road who are in front of me and they're kind of parking the side of the road and I just keep driving and keep driving and driving until I reach to the intersection between Lytton and going into Lolowet. Then there I saw there's a sign that the road is closed and there were a lot of people and so I parked my car right there and I got out of the vehicle and see what's going on and whether I can be able to do something but I was not able to do anything just in the state. I was just, you know, talking with other people who are uh, being told to get out from their homes. And some of them were still just on the road here who may not have no vehicle. I remember sitting just right here at the, at the, at the roadside here, sitting with other people uh, talking with this lady who was, you know, watching the fire burning the town. And then I walk on the other side, just by the ASO gas station right there. There was this young man who was just sitting right by the road there. And he was just his head down and he was looked kind of all dusty and all ashes. And I check on him, are you okay, sir? He was like, yeah, I'm okay. Do you, have, do you need any water? And he showed me he has a bottle of water. I was planning to get him some water. And so as I see what, at time I felt totally kind of helpless to see how I can help. And this farm, fighters guys were just running up and down. It was horrible. I can see this, the fire is just a flame just jumping on this side of the highway. And then that one is going that direction. It was terrifying. It was totally terrifying. Adra is doing a great job that I think I encourage any volunteer, even any local church, who like Adra to be the light, let them get involved. Let them support Adra, whether it is donating a penny, a dollar, whatever. It is going to make a huge impact, a huge difference to a life of someone. Pastor Lomedak spoke very powerfully about getting involved, whether it's through financial support or through volunteering. And that just makes me think of a question I'd like to bring Daniel in to ask him. Daniel, when we have a crisis like this in Canada, who does ADRA turn to for help? Do we, do we just start hiring a whole bunch of people to get the work done? Do we even have a budget for that? Who is it that we rely on the most to carry out our response? We believe, firmly believe in training and being prepared. When a crisis or emergency occurs, it's too late to prepare. So we need to be prepared prior to such a crisis or contingency so that we can be able to respond rapidly, to recruit or mobilize our resources and deploy them, whether it be uh, in person through our volunteers or other resources, uh, etc. So we do offer training, as I alluded to earlier in the podcast, which is very important. Uh, to have that basic training, introduction to basic emergency principles and also what to do during a time of crisis, providing some acute counseling, what we like to call PSS, psychosocial support, and also the advanced training when we have to perhaps uh, manage goods and resources, so the in-kind donation management. When goods come in, that's one of our specialties. So I really believe that uh, through preparation of training, of being uh, prepared to deploy, and willingness working together, we'll be able to respond to increased emergencies, disasters, or crisis that will continue, and we believe, till our Lord returns. We are always stronger together. And so we want to encourage you, if you have not been trained, uh, to sign up to be a volunteer and, and take the free training that we offer. 
um, we ha we're very happy to have more volunteers so that when a crisis or emergency occurs, we can call on you uh, wherever you are, in which part of Canada or conference or church, so that you can be a part of the experience of helping during a time of need. Alain, can you tell us about the volunteers who came and worked at the warehouse? I'm sure in the time that you were there, you met so many people with hearts of gold who are willing to give of their time, maybe even sacrifice some of their summer vacation to come and, and uh, help out right. at this warehouse. What, yeah. what was it like working with these volunteers? It was just uh, amazing. It was uh, you know quite something. Altogether, we had, uh, we registered over 125 volunteers that came back regularly. Some of them were there almost every day and some of them were there at least once or twice a week for, for the duration of the time that we were there. First thing I have to say is how excited I am to be able to work locally with with ADRA. It's been always a dream of mine to work with ADRA so that's really been a dream come true. Unfortunately it's been in this circumstance where it's actually a disaster and emergency response which is the unfortunate thing but still the work that they're doing is fabulous. When I found out that, that ADRA was coming to Coldstream to be able to do a warehouse I just signed up right away and arrived the first day and it was like whoa we're filling this warehouse this is amazing it's like it's so exciting to actually be involved and so where we take clothes from a big box and we sort them down we size them we package them to get distributed out for the and I can say that the quality of things of clothing that we are looking at is absolutely very good quality and we're I'm just very happy and proud to be able to distribute that quality of clothing to people who have nothing that's what I mean about ADRA. ADRA is actually the hands and feet on the ground of Jesus. And it's like to be able to be able to hand it to somebody and say, here, take it to people that need it. I think that's where it's at. Actually gives me goosebumps. <laughs> Sorry. I've been in the Okanagan since 1984. And I've never seen anything like this. As a historian, I know that Lytton was the very first village, white village in the interior of British Columbia, long before there was anything else, long before there was a Barkerville even. And so to lose the entire town uh, is heartbreaking because it really is a historic place. And for me, when I had an opportunity to volunteer to help the people who've been displaced, it was a no-brainer. I just thought, yeah, I, I would like to do that. And so bless ADRA for what it does. And I mean, I've been on a, a mission in Uganda with ADRA as well and seen the work they do there. And it's just wonderful to be connected with an organization that I have a friend who's worked for the Red Cross all his life, and he said, oh, we're, we're there right on the ground, and ADRA is always there right with us at the beginning of these disasters. And that's quite a compliment. The Red Cross tends to be more recognizable, but ADRA's there right at the beginning on all of these. So it makes me proud. Well, there is an element of exercise, which is great because it emphasizes the health message. And uh, yes, I seem to average about 5K per day, and uh, I feel that's good. It certainly keeps uh, the body moving. And so we thank God on a beautiful day like this for the breath of life, energy, and uh, motivation to get out and help others. You see behind us this tremendous warehouse, and you were asking the question, well, what does one do all day? Well, basically, enormous trucks deliver containers full of uh, clothing and other materials, necessities, and uh, a hive of activity then erupts, which means that the volunteers take the contents of the uh, trucks 
and uh, distribute them in various ways. First of all, they create uh, a triage center to dispense with that which is good and that which isn't so good. And then there are other departments which the foods, uh, which the clothing is uh, directed to, and that includes sorting, measuring, genderizing, whatever. My ministerial director at the BC conference called, called me and all of the pastors in the central Okanagan area here and encouraging the BC conference has encouraged us to uh, devote one day a week to set an example and encourage our members to volunteer as well. I would encourage uh, anyone that would be thinking of uh, a productive way to volunteer and serve uh, the Lord that this would be a great way. And there's even been, I've had members that have brought their young children and there's jobs that they can do as well under parental supervision. I've been familiar with ADRA and its work uh, for quite some time and it's just awesome that we can uh, partner with other agencies and uh, this warehouse is massive that they've staged for a gathering place and sorting and then it's going to go out to uh, communities that call for the various needs. It is important for me that my children do service work, that they learn that it's not all about them. Um, I feel that our children these days have a very big entitlement mentality and my children especially, and I just wanted them to know what it's like to help and to give back and to know that they're people that don't have all the pleasures and the blessings that they have and just to see it and to be involved with it. And he's 10 and unfortunately there's not a lot of opportunities for 10 year olds to get in and do volunteer and service work because they're too young. Um, but ADRA was fantastic. Um, they. I called them up and said, you know, we'd, I'd love to come out and volunteer. I have small children. Can I bring them? Can I bring my RV? Uh, if I can do all that stuff, I'd come out for three weeks. And they said, yep, bring the kids, bring the RV. We'll get you set up. We'll do whatever we can to get you settled, which they did. They were amazing. And so he gets to come out and be part of it all. I am just blown away by these volunteers who have given so much of their time and, um, just very grateful that they were willing to do that. Peggy, back to you though. I understand that you were in the same hotel that was hosting evacuees. Can you tell us a little bit about the people that you met there and was Adra able to do anything to assist them in their circumstance? So while we were traveling around um, story gathering, um, we were staying at a hotel in Vernon mm -hmm. and uh, there were a lot of first responders uh, that were there. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, one morning I was uh, on my way out uh, to start the day. Have, I had my Adra field jacket on and you know there's one thing about having the Adra field jacket. Mm -hmm. It brings a bit of attention to a Adra. Bit. <laughs> and so uh, that's where I met Rosalie. She mm -hmm. uh, was one of uh, many of um, the evacuees uh, from the Okanagan Indian Band. Mm -hmm. um, this was uh, sort of a, a mitigation uh, strategy. Mm -hmm. A lot of uh, people who were um, health compromised uh, or in other ways vulnerable were um, evacuated from uh, the reserve prior to uh, any fire. Mm -hmm. And so as I was coming through the lobby, she wanted to know who Adra was. And so when I told her, uh, she immediately started talking about the needs. Mm -hmm. And so it was a real blessing that we were able to um, take that message uh, to Alain and his team at uh, the warehouse where mm -hmm. they were packaging um, all kinds of um, boxes of hygiene kits and other things. And uh, they were able to respond very quickly. In fact, by the end of the day, when I we had come back from uh, from story gathering and shooting, 
um, they had already received the hygiene kits. And oh, that's wonderful. Absolutely. That's and, you know, one of the things about hygiene, we talk about hygiene kits and, you know, things like wash, mm-hmm. you know, water, sanitation, hygiene. It's not just about, um, you know, the items. It's about dignity, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so what she was saying was that people were evacuated very quickly and they had brought very little to nothing. Mm-hmm. And after a few days, um, their supplies ran out. And so having that you know, nice um, bottle of shampoo, the toothpaste and other items was mm-hmm. very, very important to them. This might be TMI, but I'm just thinking as women, mm-hmm. there are certain products Absolutely. that you need on repeat Absolutely. and to, to have run yeah. out of that would, yeah. would be horribly yeah. embarrassing, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm really grateful that Adro was able to respond in that kind of way. I understand that uh, she was willing to give you an interview. Is that right? Well, you know, she turned out to be a wonderful extrovert like myself. And uh-huh. so we, we really got on famously, actually. And Good. we're Facebook friends now, too. Oh, cool. Which is, uh, which is nice. Yeah. Um, so absolutely, it was wonderful um, spending some time with her well, and let's... finding out some of the challenges. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go ahead and watch her interview now. Well, I asked who helped and squeezed Rosalie Saddleman. Hello, my name is Rosalie Saddleman, and I am an Okanagan Indian band member. I, um, our band is one of seven nations and we are called Silch Nation. And we go from Vernon all the way to the border. It's a vast area, but I'm, I am a proud Okanagan woman. The experience with the fires today and the past few days since we've been given the evacuation order is um, we've had to evacuate hundreds. And they're all from the Okanagan Indian Band right now. So people have been displaced. They are here and we are in this building is um, health compromised and our elders. So the Okanagan Indian Band takes pride in taking care of their elders first. So with that, this is our home base right now for information and stuff so we can help the elders. There are, there at this moment, the fire is getting really close to where we live, like within kilometers and it jumped last night and it's getting serious to the point of where we're all worried where we don't we don't know tomorrow it's tough because the unknown this is our first well we've had a flood a few years ago I think in 2017 but to have this magnitude of dev- loss and devastation and it's coping with it it's tough too with a connection with ADRA we are very, very much appreciative of all the assistance that you could, that you've provided us, and the future, you know, and the future in-kind donations. Because you know, I'm not one to go out and really hit, you know, ask everyone or what's there. I I do, but you know what? That that in-kind donation yesterday was great. You know, we appreciated it, and we don't even know what what's out there. What? How can people help us? ADRA has helped us tremendously, and we, like I said, we really appreciate it. And knowing the supports are there, I didn't know. We didn't know. Just even having someone with as much enthusiasm as Peggy from ADRA, it's awesome. You know, and it's appreciated because it's grounding others out. Just the the wowness, as my granddaughters would call it, the super fantabulous energy that's coming from Adra and Peggy. So it's great. I just love it. I've, I haven't met anyone with as much energy oh. as Peggy.
I am so glad you got that interview. Mm -hmm. It was wonderful of her to share all of that with us. Mm -hmm. I understand that you're still in touch with her. Mm -hmm. You know, you mentioned you're even friends on Facebook. So do you have any updates to share Mm -hmm. with us about her and her band? And Mm -hmm. has Adra been able to partner with Mm -hmm. them at all? Absolutely. You know, uh, recovery is a a long-term thing. And so um, it was wonderful to be able to build a relationship and continue to track uh, their progress. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, in fact, what happened uh, was that about uh, nine homes were burnt on uh, the reserve. So la- nine families mm. uh, lost their homes. And so part of the um, rebuilding effort is for those homes. Mm-hmm. So um, in speaking with Rosalie, she informed me that uh, up to today, uh, two of the nine have been replaced with um, these uh, mini homes. Mm-hmm. And so uh, folks have those while the, 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 the full rebuilding of the actual homes are um, in place. And so it has been very disruptive Mm -hmm. for the families. Uh, Many still are living with friends or with family. Mm -hmm. Um, Adra was able to help in uh, providing a lot of the furniture, Mm -hmm. including appliances for the Mm -hmm. homes. And so uh, a lot of what we gathered through the warehouse Mm -hmm. effort uh, will be going back to the Okanagan Indian Band. Mm-hmm. Once the homes are rebuilt and, and they're ready to move in? Once the homes are rebuilt uh, and they're ready to uh, move in, mm-hmm. but also uh, clothing that uh, was lost mm-hmm. um, through um, just uh, the, the, the fires, mm-hmm. uh, folks have been able to access those through the, the warehouse as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. I'm really glad to hear yeah. that. Yeah. I hope we can continue to have these kinds Absolutely. of updates. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. And I hope that you will tune back in for our next Adra Insider podcast. Mm -hmm.